0: Hello, my name is James Pikeaway. Welcome to Podaholics and the PowerWorks podcast with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Auto. For the next, well, 45 minutes to an hour, we're gonna have a chat about all things automotive, what's working, what's not, and what's going on in our world as we try to make sense of it. Welcome back, Glenn. It's been a while since we've actually sat down and had a chat, although we do do catch up periodically over uh, WhatsApp and things, but how are you doing?
1: Yeah, good, yeah. Just uh, slightly more strict regulations to adhere to now in Dubai. So, um, very strange having different rules in in Dubai to what we have in Sharjah. And we've got workshops uh, all over the Emirates, and uh, it's it's very, very strange. Very, very strange.
0: Well, you know, so for folks who don't realize we record our podcast, uh, typically we use Zoom. You and I, for the last uh, two outings, have done this over the telephone. And we we were all set to use Zoom today. We've already done a couple of podcasts today using Zoom, and neither of us could get into our Zoom accounts. So I, I got come back later. We're busy. You got system error. We couldn't get in. So we're back using. Uh, in this case, I'm on the Do Network, and we're having a conversation through to our uh, Road uh, Podcaster Procaster Mixer, and we're doing our podcast using the tools we have available. And this is this is a really interesting situation, as you as you've just pointed out is is so uh, we're in Dubai, I'm recording this, we're talking in Dubai at the moment, the United Arab Emirates, which is a collection of entities that make up the United Arab Emirates, each of the Emirates at this point has some I mean, there's there's federal regulations, but Dubai has imposed a 24 hour lockdown for two weeks. But that hasn't is not the case in Sharjah. It's not the case in Ajman. It's not the case in Ras Al It's not the case in Abu Dhabi. Making it really interesting in in your scenario where you've got an organization with shops around the country. And how do you navigate all that?
1: Yes, yeah, um, it is strange. You know, it's uh, you know, take take an example for us. We we have a workshop in Dubai, and then we have to get uh, special approval to remain open as an essential service. And, you know, a lot of the essential businesses and essential services require mobility. So to have workshops out there and garages fixing their cars is quite important. So, you know, we're allowed to work, but we're only allowed to work between 8 a.m. and 2 p.m.
0: That's, not, also in that's not a lot of time. 8 a.m. to 2 No, we
1: also have to, and that also has to include the commuting. So realistically, we're working 9 till 1. And, um, you know, we've got a situation where, in Sharjah, which is the neighbouring emirate, a lot of our parts supply comes out of there. Uh, a lot of warehousing there. The rents are cheaper that Emirate than they are in Dubai, so a lot of the parts supply is warehousing Sharjah. And they typically uh, are working pretty much normal hours. Mm. So uh, very hard for us to get parts supply nailed down, very hard for us to, to get approvals for the individual members of staff. Some, we've had a situation uh, in the last couple of days that we've had to manage and, and uh, you know people getting stopped on the road and getting checked and, and you know people are doing their job and it's right the police and the civil defence and health authority have to make sure people that are out and about are doing so for the right reasons and not putting everyone else at risk
0: So so this makes your, your whole task you know just that much more challenging doesn't it?
1: It is quite difficult um, the only good thing is that right now um, for uh, this sort of walk-in customer or the, the, the private individual. Uh, most people are staying at home, so mm. so they don't need their car right now. But for, for people with a with a fleet of vehicles that are using it to carry out an essential service, bit like Colin and the We Will Fix It boys, they need the vehicles to be on the road. But we can only keep them on the road between 9 and 1. Mm. Uh, so that's become that's becoming a challenge and, and I expect that to, to sort of intensify over the next few days. Well, a few little challenges here and there is nothing to it? Yeah. if we can get through this. Are, are, yeah.
0: you, are you guys in the automotive industry, are you classified as an essential service?
1: At the moment, maintenance services are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's Colin's business for sure. You know, everyone's in the house. If, if they get water leaks or AC stops working, you know, it's, it's the middle of April and, it's getting warmer every day on the way up to that big magical number of 50 degrees Celsius, which we tend to get up to in June and July. So we've got to have a, we've got to have it clear that people sitting in the house, they need AC, they need water supply, they need electric electrical supply. So, so businesses like we will fix it and and their essential maintenance, um, they need to be able to get to people and they can only do that if their vans and and cars are, Right. on the so, road
0: work safely so by default they they really need you guys to be able to 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 service their fleet and keep it working
1: yeah and we haven't been through the motions yet but we would have to if, if for some reason they said okay no need uh, there's no need any any longer for, for car garages and workshops to stay open we would then obviously be um relying very heavily on on them understanding uh, Colin and uh, Dan, that we will fix its point of view that well, we can't do, provide our service indefinitely without maintenance backup from our workshop. So uh, we aren't there yet, yeah, and we we may not be. We, we're doing extensive testing here, and and things seem to be quite under control. So hopefully, we don't have have too long to to labour through this. But it's it's you know we've we've got. We've got podcasts we can record. We've got Netflix we can watch. We've got YouTube we can go down the rabbit hole. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, if anyone still remembers their MySpace passwords, so there's all sorts of stuff to get out there and, and do and, and sit in the house. Is well, is it? You know, you get all these all these comparisons drawn lately of the of the people in the in the First World War that were told that regardless of whether they wanted to or not, they had to go and dig trenches that the Friends were going to die in fighting from battle that they didn't even understand, and we're being asked to do is stay at home. So it's not the end of the world. We can manage, and, and the people that are allowed to work are being allowed to work because they're needed. And for now, that's us, and we'll get through it.
0: Are, are you still getting some folks who are who are walking into the garage with a with a problem with a vehicle, or has that really almost become non-existent?
1: Uh, pretty much non-existent, and to be fair, we're not actually supposed to service anybody's vehicle without an appointment unless it's been recovered from the roadside. Okay. But at the time of the recovery on the roadside, they have to inform us that they're on the way. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a way of preventing people just thinking, oh, you know, got a bit of time off work. Let's go and get the car looked at. Yeah. But that's unnecessary. Um, so we aren't getting that. People are adhering to it quite well. Uh, there's a lot of complaints about people going for a jog and, stuff like that which there will always be someone complaining about something but we're not getting people out in their cars unnecessarily the roads are quiet although they're not as quiet as I thought they would be they're really not
0: well you know what a day ago I I applied for my permit I needed to go get some groceries so I I did do that and I've got to say uh, as I was making my way to the grocery store I was rather surprised at just how many vehicles we're on the road. It was yeah. it was an extraordinary number, and, and in fact, I, I kind of looked at it and I said, "This reminds me of a regular day with the traffic heading into Sharjah." And I thought, w- w- "How is there so many people out?" And I guess it's just the folks who are working in those industries, those manufacturing industries, those distribution industries, the lo- logistics industries. Those those folks who are still going in and out of their offices.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that you know the reduction in now you can only have three people in a vehicle so if you take a construction site construction still class the key industry essential industry so although the guys at the side of the road that are pointing into a lot paving and some gravel down there where i live i can't understand how they're still essential but that's beautification but yeah. anyway they're still working but construction is still an essential industry of course and Whereas perhaps they would have had a Turtle High Ace or a Nissan Irvan with 12 staff in there on the way to the construction site. They can now only have three, including the driver. Yeah. So all of a sudden, that, that one vehicle with 12 in it has now got to become four. So there has been a reduction on some, but there's been an increase with others uh, for car use. And, and obviously with no public transport now, which is sensible. That For me, that was a bit too late. But no public transport now. Uh, obviously, everyone's back on the road. There's, there's no train, metro,
0: so yeah. Actually, I didn't, I didn't think about that. That more people are now carpooling or, or, finding that way to get from here to there. It's a little bit more tricky, and you must run into it with, with the fact that you're, you're, you're riding around the Emirates, needing to get your permit for. I mean, do you have to apply for a, a permit as you're commuting through?
1: Yeah. So, so an official company letter should allow us to continue to work during the hours of 8 and 2. We can apply for a permit, but it's supposedly superseded by an official company letter. There's That's no right. reason for that. And I think the reason they did that was they don't want to overload the system. Right. Uh, it, it crashed after the first announcement and then it crashed after the second announcement. So that was just unfortunate. There's nothing you can do about that sheer volume all at one time. Now, we can move around... Every emirate other than Dubai, but once we're in Dubai, we need to have that uh, approval to to do that between the hours of eight and two. And there is absolutely nothing which after two pm in the afternoon until eight am the following morning without a permit. And uh, they're very hard to come by. I accidentally typed in uh, eight am to 1.30 on my permit approval uh, application yesterday. But I instead of doing 1.30 in the p.m., I did 1.30 in the a.m., so it confused the heck out of it, and I got denied, so then I had to reapply for mm. 1.30 in the p.m., and, and I managed to get it. But, yeah, you can't do anything outside of those hours, which is fair enough.
0: Yeah, yeah. No it's uh, you know, as I was sharing some of this whole process, and it, it worked really, really seamlessly for me when I was applying for a permit to go get some groceries. I was sharing it with some friends back home and family back home, and they said, "Man, that is so sensible that they're that they're actually doing this." And actually, Colin and I had this conversation that the leadership of this nation and the leadership of this emirate has really stepped up, and they are serious, and that this is this is this is something that's being enforced for everyone. We need to social distance. We need to cut back on that unnecessary movement and on that unnecessary gatherings. And, you know, we all, we're social. We like to be around each other. We've, I mean, this is a very social environment, especially in the evenings. And you and I have both remarked on the fact that, I mean, especially yourself with, with younger children at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, you go out in the Emirates and there are people out with with four-year-olds and two-year-olds and five-year-olds. Yeah. 10 o'clock at night, the park is packed. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you were in the UK, if you were in Canada, 10 o'clock at night, you're not going to have three- and four-year-olds in the park. They're going to be at home in bed. So this is a dramatic shift for the nation to reprogram and say, look, I'm sorry, you can't go out and socialize. And in this case, you can't go and socialize out and socialize after three o'clock in the afternoon. And oh, hold on, you can't go out and socialize at all. And that's really, really a big challenge, And but it's for a reason and it will work, but it's, it's, you know, short-term uh, inconvenience for long-term personal health and national safety. So it's, it's a good thing in that sense.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. I mean, f- from, from what we're sort of concerned with on our, on our podcast is, is you know, there's a lot of people that are forced into the house by this and, and and most of them thankfully or the sensible ones at least are adhering to the if it's if it's a if it's a mandated regulation or just a suggestion, I think there's there's at least some kind of discussion about social distancing and quarantine or isolation or whatever you want to call it now across every part of the world. But those people that have vehicles need to remember that it's a good idea to get out in your car, uh for the once a week to go and get groceries or whatever it is, or if you're not doing that and you're trying to do it as as little as, as possible and you're leaving the car for more than two weeks, especially in, in a country like ours where it's getting very, very hot now, that's not good for tires, it's not good for batteries, uh, it's, it's not good for ACs, so we, we need to get out there and, and pay some time and attention to our vehicle, whether that's go in there and sit and listen to a radio show or a podcast or a CD or an MP3, whatever you've got on the entertainment, just give it a drive around the block, make sure everything's okay, uh, keep it up and running for 25, 30 minutes, just do that every few days, just to, just to make sure that you're not going to have a situation where everybody's back to work, back to normal, and then oh, the car won't start, or there's a flat tire or man, I'm driving and these tires don't feel right and then yeah. every workshop that's, unfortunately, the word we have to use is survive. You know, there's businesses that are going go to go out of business with this and, and businesses that only have private individual walking customers, they aren't going to survive this. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so then all of a sudden there's going to be less places to go, they're going to be busier, uh, and you don't want that. So the best thing I can suggest, from what we talk about, is just get out there. We've, we mentioned it before with with you know the sort of the large number of expatriate people in our country here, and that tend to leave for the summer, which isn't going to happen this year, obviously. But people tend to leave for the summer and leave their cars for six, seven, eight weeks at a time. We say get someone to go out and give it a drive for you every few days. Well, that
0: wise Now, you know what, let's, sure. Glenn. Let's let's break down that list again because I know we started talking about it last week in our our last podcast, but I think it's really worthwhile going back. and 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 I got to tell you, I still live in the delusional land, and I still live with the hope that come July, I'm going to be able to make a trip to Canada and see my family. But honestly, increasingly in the back of my mind, as I'm looking at what's going on in in the U.S. and Canada has the longest unprotected border on the planet with a country with the numbers in the U S and things in Canada. I don't know if I want to go anywhere near North America because I'm not so sure where that flattened curve is going to be, nor where the rebound curve is going to be. And and so I'm a, you know, I keep thinking it'll be great to be able to go home in the summer, but as, as we keep saying that that is looking less and less like a reality that is going to happen. Uh, let's let's jump back through, but I keep hoping. So when you said, of course, we're not going away in the summer, I keep hoping. Because, you know, the irony is also, Glenn, 20 years in the Emirates, I've never been here in the summer. I've always gone away, whether it be to Canada or, you know, the Far East, or we've always, I mean, as an educator, I, I have a, a good summer vacation. That's, you know, some people say, you know, you don't, you don't make a whole bunch of cash as an educator. You do okay, you live, but you get great holidays. <laughs> and so yeah. I've, I've never been here in the summer. This could be the summer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. I, I, I think it. I think it might be just from the, you know, there's obviously a lot of things. If, if regulations are, are dropped and, and borders are opened and stuff like that, that's fine. But because of the way it's spread and the, the way some people have acted slower than others, uh, it's not. It's not going to be uh, done with by the summer. Yeah. And uh, in the northern hemisphere, the summer is summer. The summer is is in sort of June, July, and. Unfortunately, it's not expected to be a seasonal thing, so that's not going to help us out. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be the summertime for us here. And and also, you know, there's going to be a lot of... There has to be now around the world a lot of people now that have to look after the country that they live in and say, look, the economies have just been bad and uh, we've got to put something back. Um, if, it, if it gets any worse than this, then there's likely to be, I would think, some kind of step in sort of measures from the government to, to help companies pay salaries at least to a livable wage for some people uh, that are more vulnerable from an economic standpoint and financial standpoint so at that point it may well just be the, the fact that one we can't travel because the countries aren't open yet or two it's best financially for all of us to stay and uh yeah that's obviously going to help people with not having the issues of leaving the car sat for the summer but driving a car in the summer is a totally different thing Yeah, so, so it's alright to talk about keeping it up and running and safe while we have the car parked during isolation periods but it, it's probably a good idea to get it checked for the summer
0: Well, let's go through this little bit of a list that we've got here. And one of the items that that you also mentioned right off the bat, why you want to get your car out, you want to roll it around the block if you can. You're not going on a big drive, but you definitely want to be thinking about how do I keep my tires in good condition? And that is flat spots and just outright deterioration. And and I, I never think about this, but again, we're in an environment where it gets really hot you've got your tires that could get flat spots from sitting, but if your tires are a little bit older, you've also got the potential yeah. that they're just going to wear out. They're going to degrade, and that's going to lead to some pretty bad situations for you with respect to that rolling stock on your vehicle.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. And and the thing is, it's, it's one of those things where, it happens when you don't, and you don't really expect it to happen, and you might get away with it for two or three years with the same vehicle, but, but age takes its toll on everything. Mm. And, you know, a set of tyres a year old, it might survive a summer, and then if you put, if you reinflate them when you get back and, and, and having had it parked for a few weeks and then drive it on the highway at decent speeds for 25, 30 kilometres, they might sort of go back into shape, for want of a better phrase. But they're not going to do that at two or three or four years old. And seals around windows and, and, and seals within AC systems and seals on the engine, especially on the top part of the engine, which the oil doesn't sit in, of course. And you start the engine up and all of a sudden you get leaks from the engine. AC not working because it's leaking. Uh, but you know, another, another thing here, we have a high proportion of automatic transmission. Yeah. So people get the car started up and they just sit it on the drive or they move it and backwards a few times and, you know, go and do a circle and put it back in the spot. What we really need to do is try and shift through all the gears.
0: Ah, I, nev- sure I never push- think about that. Shifting through all the gears as I'm getting my automatic transmission sort of lubricated and, and getting the gears yeah. to work through things.
1: Yeah, make sure all the gears have been engaged, make sure all the oil galleries, therefore, have had oil through them and that they're working properly, the valves and inlets, are all working properly within the valve body of the transmission. And it's it's certainly worthwhile doing that. And also, it's not a bad idea just to try and get brakes up to temperature gradually. You know, I'm not talking about going around the block and hammering on the brakes because that can't do anybody any favours, but going around and getting the brakes up to temperature, making sure that, you know, any corrosion that's on there, because a lot of people are still cleaning their cars or they have, you know, a lot more time on their hands to clean their cars now if, if they're in the house. Well, steel brakes are going to corrode and then the corrosion will it's not good you know you're going to get out if you've got particularly if you've got a drum brake set up for a parking brake or on a on a smaller vehicle your actual brake on the back of the car you don't want those to seize and bind because that's going to cause you a massive issue so getting out and using your brakes using your parking brake on and off this is, this
0: is key. I've, I've listened to a report or a, another mechanic like yourself talking about cars that are sitting for a long period of time and the idea that not to actually put that parking brake on because it could seize in place and you might not be able to get it off, especially if it's a drum brake situation.
1: Yeah, so the parking brake one with drum brakes is, is a difficult situation because um, they, they, they're very, very, very efficient brakes and they will almost, break themselves together permanently effectively and, and what we have to be mindful of is that isn't a simple fix. Okay, you can check the car up, put a stand under there, take a wheel off and, and hammer the heck out of the drums and sometimes they'll disengage. That's not easy at the side you know, at the side of your house or on the road in front of the house in May or June when it's forty five degrees. So that's that's something to be mindful of and, and what we have to remember here is also parking brakes electric parking brakes sometimes still use the drum brake setup it's very very stupid in my opinion that they do do that but they do sometimes use that and you basically still have a cable being pulled just by a motor this time so you don't have to pull a lever or push a lever and it's it's it's, that is a big issue because then if you have a situation where they bind the cable will try to disengage that and it can break the motor so then not only can you not move the vehicle without using the emergency release, but you also have an expensive repair on you. Have. And this is something that really needs to be thought of. People that have the parking brake on, on the vehicle and have an automatic and park on a flat surface can probably leave it in park. But again, it's, it's best to chalk one of the wheels, so put something behind, behind the wheels, stop it moving just in case. Uh, but I'd always prefer just using the parking label to using it regularly. I think if you okay. use it regularly and have it on our service, then, then you're not going to have any issue.
0: It, do, do we ever have issues with the cables themselves just binding because they haven't been used? Is that a possibility, or is that a pretty unlikely thing?
1: It happens. It does happen. One of the one of the things that happens is some of the cables that are more exposed under the, under the vehicle, people might you know neglect or also the fact that they're not overly common now, uh, people don't think of it as a serviceable item. So when it's when it's in for service, you you know, you take your vehicle in for service and you blindly, you trust the uh, technicians, of course. You, you, you're going to trust them because you've worked with them before or, you, you know, you expect them to know what they're doing. And they don't grease or look after the cables. So then this happens where those cables are moving, they're sliding in and out, and... It's a dusty environment here, and uh, even if they are greased, the dust can stick to them and make more of a grinding paste than, a, than any sort of lubrication, but they can bind, and they do bind, and they are, unfortunately, they are steel, although galvanized steel typically, but they are steel, and they can corrode, and once you get corrosion within the sleeve that it typically sits in, it then makes it very, very difficult for it to move, and then at that point, it will come off of one end or snap and then you have a problem
0: Mm. so again we got you know the the whole braking system of our vehicle something we've got to be keep our minds on before we were in lockdown so this has only been a few days ago uh, i i was at the grocery store noticed the car beside me didn't look like it had been used in in quite a while it was an outdoor parking lot and i could see the corrosion on the discs is there yep. anything we can put on our discs? Anything we can fire on it, spray on it, rub on it to help maintain the integrity of that? Or is that corrosion just uh, naturally going to happen? It'll wear off once we start using the brakes again.
1: Yeah, corrosion is fine. You just have to be mindful of the fact that if you are washing your car and you have steel brakes, which the majority of us have, um, it's it's a very 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 good idea having it's kind of counterintuitive, having just washed the vehicle to then. Go and give it a quick drive, and just just apply the brakes a little bit, like you would if you'd just been through a ford mm. or a stream or a river that goes over the road, or a flood or a puddle. If you were to then just apply the brakes, all it does is it, it just helps make sure that you don't have corrosion building up. It can dry the water off, wipe the water away, and keep it away. Now, you know if you do if you do have a situation where the car's being washed, you can't drive it. Then just be mindful that when you get in it the next time there's going to be a bit of a grinding or a grating noise coming out of the back or the front, mm. and, and that's just that's just normal. And then just pay attention to that, and that, it sometimes is a, is a useful tool because you can then have a look after having a drive, maybe five, ten minutes driving the car, and, and hearing that noise and hearing the noise slowly disappear. If you then look at the pattern of the of the disc and, and you see, actually, I've got a bit of a line of corrosion right in the middle of the disc where my brake pad isn't touching. That might be a sign that there's something wrong and then, okay, we need to get the brake service there because they're not applying an even pressure across the disc.
0: Oh, that's a, and, that's a good point. Uh,
1: can, yeah, so it can be a useful tool, but it, it, it's it's just what what is very important is that we don't just go and hammer on the brakes and get them red hot and then park the car back up again. Because we don't want to, we don't want to get into that situation again. With a automatic transmission, you'll come to a stop with your foot held on the brake for a long time, and then you'll re re engage park, and you might do whatever you're going to do grab your wallet, grab your briefcase, grab your handbag, whatever it may be. That five, ten, fifteen seconds with your foot on the brake while they're red hot and then cooling down will cause, on most modern brakes now pounds of brakes at least that will cause a material transfer from the brake pad to the disc and it will also allow the disc to cool down cooler outside of the area that's in contact with the brake pad but then all of a sudden you get this the next time you go out and you get this brake judder this uneven braking feel where the disc is warped almost sometimes the disc can warp but normally what it is is, is material transfer from the brake pad mm. and that's not good then because then you're talking about Either machining the discs down, or having somebody in the workshop that's that's sort of capable and skilled and understanding of what's happening to then go and drive the car for 25, 30 kilometers and try and bring them back in. And that, that's that's not always uh, uh, something that people have time to do. So just remembering not to go out and get them too red hot, and just to leave the the vehicle sort of just just be mindful of everything you're doing on it. Really, that that's what we have to do now. We we're, we're we're just trying to avoid a rush before we go back to work or after having gone back to work of, Oh man, the car needs fixing. Yeah. That's
0: not good. What What about the cooling system? And it, I mean, this one I always find counterintuitive. I mean, it just does my my mind in when I think of my radiator and the compression hoses that are all connected in there. There's heat. There's pressure. A lot of my radiators plastic now. The reservoirs on the right and left side are plastic. Not using that that radiator d- does that potentially lead to a better possibility for stress? To to the plastic once I start using it again, and maybe only because it's drying out a little bit and not constantly being lubricated with the coolant that's going through the engine? Is that a possibility, or am I simply dreaming?
1: It, it is a possibility. What, what we have to worry about with anything is, is there's, there's a few reasons to use coolant. It, let's just be clear that the basically the specific thermal capacity of water is the best of any other fluid. Water is sort of cooling down than coolant. Now, coolant is added as an additive to do another job that water can't do, and that like water does the opposite of. Water will dissolve metal. It's a solvent, effectively, and you'll get corrosion from it. Now, we add coolant, whether that's ethylene glycol-based or not, uh, to protect metallic internal parts of the engine but also to condition rubber seals so if you have a radiator which is typically an aluminium core radiator and then a lot of the tanks on the side now are plastic well there has to be a rubber seal between the two and that rubber requires conditioning there's a seal on the cap for the radiator there's a seal on the cap for the expansion tank if you have an expansion tank type uh, a seal pressurized expansion tank type So there's a seal on a lot of parts. There's seals in the engine, there's seals everywhere that need this coolant additive circulating at all times to condition. Now, in a coolant system, because it's filled and pressurized and sealed, there should be coolant all over the engine. So there shouldn't be. It's not like with oil where it will just sit in the bottom of the engine and then when it's running, it gets distributed around by the oil pump. Because the system is full, quote, unquote, and, and that's not exactly right, but it, it is full to all the parts of the engine are basically full of water or coolant, then it shouldn't be too much of a problem. But what would be potentially an issue is if the mix isn't right on the, on the coolant additive or you only have water in because just before the lockdown, you've had a leak and you meant to get it fixed and you've just been topping it up with water, then you may have a situation where the water pump can start to corrode, uh, the seals on the water pump would fail, Uh, Don't forget, when we start the engine, the water pump's going to run straight away and build up pressure straight away, and that's going to be the first point of a leak. So if you've had just water in there for a while, then it's probably worth uh, trying to get some of that out of the expansion tank with with a syringe or something uh, and getting some of the additive in it. If you can't get access to that, then maybe just accepting that Okay. Well, if I get away without any leaks when I start up, or any problems when I first start up, then I'm just going to get it in there and get a coolant flush done and the coolant change as soon as I, as soon as we're back out on the road and back to some sort of normality again.
0: Mm. Speaking of of oil, as you were talking about that the oil system operates differently than the cooling system, do I need to be thinking about getting an oil change if I haven't been driving my vehicle, even if I've been, you know, done the 20 minutes around the block, which for some folks, because of, of the lockdown we're in now, that's going to be impossible but, or, you know, folks just don't want to do it. Should we be considering oil changes once we get back to normal or even in the midst, middle of all this activity?
1: Yeah, so there's something to be um, remembered with uh, oil oil changes is we have, we obviously all are very well versed and aware of the, of the impact of time and distance driven. So, you know, we have, 10,000 kilometers or six months uh, is a typical sort of average service interval for, you know, a scheduled service. Yeah, would
0: yeah say. absolutely. Now,
1: people, will ch- people will say, I believe you're in the camp of changing the oil in between that as just changing the oil and filter the engine and then having the service done every 10, which is perfect. It's best to do that. Now, what people don't realize is that starting the engine – when the engine is under the most load Mm. and also on an internal combustion engine the fuel system is enriched to allow it to get up to temperature quickly start to run as as efficiently as it possibly can as quickly as it possibly can Now, what that does is it adds a lot more petrol uh, on a petrol engine uh, into the mix and that gets washed into the oil so every time you start the engine and every time you turn it off that's where. So you know, you might think, well, I've been in quarantine for lockdown for two months, and I've you know I've only driven the car. Let's say I'm driven the car five hundred kilometres, so I can do another nine thousand kilometres. Don't need to worry about it and forget the time because I've already been two months. That's not true. In fact, if you're doing what we're suggesting here, you really need to stick to the six months at your own risk. What I would do is, if you've been starting the vehicle and running it every sort of fifteen days. Uh, I, I would I would personally then say, well, okay, I've done the right thing to get the AC, the engine from leaks, the tires, the battery, everything else that, that we talked about. But I'm going to go and now change the oil and filter in the engine because there's a chance there's a higher fuel content than normal in there. There's a possibility that the engine ran rich quite often. There's a lot more carbon deposits, which the oil then dissolves down, and we don't want sludge build-up. We don't want blockage of oil galleries and damage to oil pumps and oil strainers, stuff like that. So what I would do is, after this is over, don't worry about paying four, five, six hundred dirhams for a service. But at least go and get the engine oil filter changed. Mm. Make total sense. And then, then remember that, okay, I've got my six months and uh, I'm going to go from there.
0: Now if we're if we've got the oil situation sorted and that that sounds to me like really good advice what about the fact that a lot of folks probably not knowing how long we're going to be in this situation not knowing when they're going to be in their car when they're going to need to drive it have filled up the tank and you've got a full tank of fuel I I was very surprised to read that you know fuel is something we need to also pay attention to because Fuel d- does break down. Fuel does have a lifespan. And yeah. and as, as one of the, the articles I was reading, I, I loved the way they talked about it. And this is coming from... Uh, Greg, uh, Brannon, director of automotive engineering and industry relations at AAA, the American automobile association in the U S direct quote, quote from him that kind of made me go, huh, got to talk to Glenn about this. He said, the key thing to remember is that gasoline is a living chemical and, and that it, it will, it, it starts to break down. And it, if you're not changing it, if you're not using it and it's just sitting, it starts to deteriorate in a lot of different ways.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, we've uh, we've all been in a situation. I would think at one point where you know we've been in a, a garage or a shed or a workshop or something um, on the side of the house with our grandparents, and our you know they're gonna start up a motorbike or a, or a lawnmower or a strimmer or something that's an old school two stroke petrol Yeah. and they'll put petrol out of a can and they'll smell the can by going they used to taste it and they will be like oh that's bad and it's been there too long and it's sat for too long and of course it does I mean you know it's a very volatile chemical and it will break down um, it's, it's not something that we typically have to worry about so you know three or four weeks isn't the end of the world, but because this was very uncommon, uh, unexpected, sorry, a lot of people will have just gone to work, and then the next, you know, on the the evening, on the way home, they'll have filled the tank, and then now, all of a sudden, they've got a full tank of fuel, which is breaking down, so, you know, if we're going to go away before the summer, we might leave a quarter or a half in, or think, oh, we're going away tomorrow, forget about it. A few weeks, you know, and then when you come back to fill it up with normal fuel, and you'll probably get away with it. But if you've got a full tank, well, that's a different story. That's a whole, that's a whole different story, and, and it is something to think about, especially on modern engines with with very very um, precision-engineered fuel injectors and fuel pumps and electric and mechanical fuel pumps. So it is something to think about. The, the best thing to do, really, is is if you have got a, a full tank of fuel, uh, certainly try and use as much of it out of there as you can while we're doing these checks daily or every second or third day driving the vehicle. Use as much of it as you can doing that because that's going to be good for everything else we talked about. And then hopefully you'll have enough. It will enough time won't have passed to create a problem for you. Mm-hmm. You can then fill it up with good fuel anyway, and the, and the mix should make it better. So, to say the least but hopefully four to six weeks time we're back to some kind of normality a lot more people on the road and it shouldn't have been too long but definitely uh, it does break down and, and it, 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 it's months it's not years so
0: it is yeah I was really surprised by the the magic number that I'm reading and I've read now in a couple places because I thought hey I got to go see if this is fake news or real news is you know pretty much a three-month age mark is what we look at for yeah. the for our oil and and a, for our gasoline and it was interesting because you know there's the extremes that we get to and again if you've had someone like you're describing you've got some grandparents who've got an old vehicle somewhere and you decide hey we're gonna try and fire up this thing or we're gonna try and fire up this this seadoo or snowmobile or boat engine or lawnmower, and you you've we've all seen that where you open up the fuel tank and you you know you, you you don't want to go smelling fuel because there's a whole bunch of chemicals in there that you don't want to smell, but you, you kind of open up the tank and and you kind of notice that huh, it doesn't smell like fuel, it smells more like varnish. That's a, a pure yeah. sign that hey, you know what, that fuel's gone bad. Or once, and I, I've had this at, at home, and I remember it. and And I, someone would say to me, "Hey, dude, your, the fuel's bad there." And you, we've got the jerry can, right? And if I've got my lawnmower yeah. and I've got my jerry can, and it's a two, st- it's a four stroke engine on my lawnmower, and I look at the jerry can. And if you've ever filled up your, uh, you know, looked at the fuel that goes in, you know, gasoline, petrol, as it comes out of the pump, it's it's kind of got that you know lightish honey colored you know light honey color it's yeah. not dark and it's it's very liquidy and i i remember looking at this this gas can of mine and and swishing it around and thinking, "Is there oil in there?" and you know friends said, "No, there's no oil. You just got bad gas." And I said, "Well, how can you tell?" And they said, "Well, look at the color of it. It's gone dark." Gas, gasoline without an additive shouldn't be like that. And, and they said even worse, when you start swishing around, you kind of go, you know, it's kind of gummy actually. So yeah, you you really have bad gas. Do not put that into your, your tank. Because again, if you, you start putting that into a four stroke engine or into a car, you've got your fuel injectors, your fuel pumps, all of those things are going to be affected and you're not going to be happy.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's one of those often, uh, misunderstood or you know unexpected at least events where people will be doing a you know a, a car to restore or, or a project or something like that and they'll have it sat on the drive or they do their own panel beam for seven or eight weeks and then they might, might go, oh, I've got some fancy nice wheels and I'll get those wheels put on and then all of a sudden you know four or five months has gone by and they they go and try and start it up and it won't start and all the injectors are gummed up. And all the seals are leaking, and it's all because of bad fuel. Yeah. you know that, that's that's unfortunately the way it is. And we have to be mindful that petrol you know, definitely does have a shelf life. It, same with anything, actually. You know, not such a short shelf life, but we we do have it with uh, oil mm-hmm. uh, in general. Any sort of uh, hydrocarbon product—it's carbon-based, effectively—and it and it and it will be reactive to its environment in some way and you know we sometimes you can pick up an old can of transmission oil or something sort of swish it around in the container and you'll see it almost separating. you'll feel it heavy in the bottom and light in the top and you think, think okay that's not good now and uh you know the shelf life isn't as as short but but it certainly exists so definitely definitely worth considering uh that you know one of the things you Want to do is if you've got a full tank of fuel, then all the more reason to get out there and, and use the vehicle because you, you want to have as much space in that fuel tank to put some decent fuel in, so that you don't have to
0: go through the painful process of having it drained. You know, there's another great piece of advice that I've been reading about and it's it's folks saying, look, your car is sitting in your, your car, your van, your sportster, whatever it is is sitting there in your driveway. You're you're you know, hopefully you're getting it out, you're rolling it every few days, you're starting it up, you're keeping the, the air conditioning seals and you're keeping the oil moving, you're keeping the water moving, etc. But there there's gonna be a lot of folks who aren't doing that and or are are not doing it as much as they should and, and one of the pieces of advice is throw a piece of cardboard underneath your engine just so you can get a sense, do I have any leaks? What is leaking? Yeah. So that you, when you finally do get this thing going again, you can go visit, you know, yourself over at Powerworks and say, "Oh man, Glenn, you know, here's here's the cardboard in the back of my car. This is the way it's been sitting. I, I think I got an oil leak, but I don't know what this other substance is because it sure doesn't seem like oil, but it is kind of reddish and it is kind of smelly. Uh, any any clue? And and they're saying, you know, this is really good advice.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, 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 now is it. Now is a good time for a lot of people to do a lot of things that, you know, we can start to set good habits. And one of those good habits is, is thinking about, thinking about our our vehicle and, and spending the time of, to do stuff that perhaps we didn't used to think we had the time to do and maybe legitimately didn't have the time to do. But now we have got the time to do and we can set habits there. So if you've got, if you've got young kids, and, and take it from me, I'm not, I'm not advising anyone to get their kids into motor repairs when they're older. But if you've got kids that take an interest in this sort of stuff, then, you know, show them how to inflate the tires, show them how to check the oil, show them how to check the coolant level, show them all these things. You know, if you're unsure, send us an email, a comment, whatever it is, wherever you hear us, uh, we'll be happy to, to send some kind of walkthrough for you to, to get on with that in a safe way. And, and set this up that Friday mornings or Tuesday evenings or Sunday afternoons, whatever it needs to be, are the day that we go and pay attention to the vehicle. We go and slide the cardboard out from underneath. Have we got any oil leaks? Because if, you, if you're driving the car, that's one thing, that, and it's a great point you've made, James, because if you're driving the car every second or third day, and, you know, or, you know, you're just doing it for the sake of thinking you're doing the right thing, but actually you don't, Think about any oil spots under there Or any oil leaks You could be doing something bad You could be doing something wrong You could be doing something that's going to be more harmful So if you've got a piece of cardboard under there You go and slide it out Have we got any oil on it? No uh, Are the tyres okay? Let's check the pressure The engine oil level okay Transmission oil okay Current? okay. Let's go for a drive um, If you pull the cardboard out And there's a big patch of oil on there You can be pretty safe to assume that that's just going to get worse. So you don't want to then go and drive the car around and potentially risk driving it with low oil. Uh, Mm -hmm. That low oil level in an engine isn't great with an automatic transmission is really not good at all. And you don't want to do that. It's bad for the environment, but it's it's, it's bad for you in in the immediate as well. So definitely worth uh, putting something in the car if you can. And and for people that park on uh, paved services, having that cardboard under there is going to save you a cleaning, but cleaning bill as well.
0: Uh, and, you know, Another one to also keep in mind and I, I didn't think of this at all but if you've got your vehicle parked outside it, we, we've got a huge shift in the way things are working with our with our movement in, in all of our countries. And the the one Colin alluded to this actually in the, the We Will Fix It show because he was talking about walking his dog around the inside of his garden and the dog has no idea what's going on. We've now got vehicles that are being parked and, and resting for quite a long time and drives and garages. And it's very possible that critters start to say, hey, you know what? I want to go check out some of this wiring. I I want to make a new home. If you're not moving your vehicle and you're saying, look, it's in the parking garage. I can't physically get out there and move it. I'm just going to leave it. You want to check to make sure that nothing is, you know, open up that hood. Do we notice anything that's living there? Do we notice any damage that might have been caused by something living under your vehicle?
1: Yeah, exactly. That that happens a lot. We have it. We have a big problem with stray cats in this country, unfortunately. And we do have to think about, you know, um, tapping the hood or or the bonnet, whatever you want to call it, before you start the engine, just to make sure there's no cats asleep in there. Um, and and it goes to show, um, I've i probably dealt with in, in getting on for the best part of fifteen. 17 years now doing this so it, I've probably dealt with 7 or 8 occasions where there's been a, a, a rat or mouse nest basically in a vehicle and they do like the insulation on wires it's great uh, they, they chew through it but they're not they're not always uh, careful enough to not chew through the actual wires so they can cause you a lot of immediate problems and themselves as well sometimes and They'll chew through the soft furnishings, so the carpets on the floor, the foam out of the co- out of the seats is a favourite, and they'll get into the little cubbies. They'll get behind the panels, and you don't necessarily know they're there. We've done all sorts of weird and wonderful fault repairs, which have been down to basically uh, vermin infestations, and mm. it doesn't take much. And like you say, it's it's a sheltered environment for them, which maybe we get in there and out of there every day, once or twice a day, disturbs them enough not to bother. But when we've got the car sat down for a few weeks, there's no reason for them to avoid it anymore. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Lots of great advice today. You know, we, we didn't get on to some of the other things I want to talk about. We're going to do that next time we get together. And uh, I got to say, there's some great things that are, we've got on the list, but one of them and uh, food for thought is, uh, I I don't know if you've seen what the folks over at Tesla have put up where they've, and we were talking about this last week with the automotive industry and really the, the folks over at Mercedes getting into the game. You okay there? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> With the folks over at Mercedes getting into the ventilator business, uh, the folks over at Tesla using Model 3 yeah. parts... Creating a ventilator from their own car parts, with the thought being maybe they can use what they already have in their supply chain within their factories to start also ramping up to make ventilators. So I thought that was pretty cool. And yeah, it's really. Cool. The other one that, that I saw today, and I just saw it in passing, was uh, Mr. Dyson, also quite uh, the, the, and Dyson Industries, quite the the folks we know them from their vacuum cleaners and from their fans. They've also in ten days. Okay put together a completely Dyson ventilator system with patents that are, are based again off some of their technology and, and really jumping into it. So I thought that's pretty neat stuff. But, but what I really want to talk about next uh, on our next show is McLaren. Now, I've never been one who said, hey, you know what? I want to go out and own a McLaren. Although, uh, talking to Shahzad, the brown car guy out of the UK, he, he loves McLarens. And he says, look, you know what? A McLaren, much like a, what's the, a, loves, he loves McLarens and the other car he loves. And, it, you know, it's amazing because he always talked about them. And, why, and now I can't remember it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lotus. The love is the Lotus. Lotus.
1: yeah, Yeah. Lotus. Yeah.
0: But the McLaren, they've got a they've got an Elva, which is one of their their uh, prototypes that they're they're throwing out there. No windscreen, and you don't get any air blown on your face. And they've they've sort of figured out how to do this using low technology and high technology. I would love to talk about that because you know what? Any car that I don't have a windscreen, I would want to own. I think it would just be it's it's would just be amazing. It'd be like the as Flintstones.
1: As long as you've got your seatbelt on and an airbag, you're pretty cool. Pretty yeah. safe.
0: Well that's what I was thinking. I'm thinking this could be an amazing vehicle. You just get in it and you just the drive around. Is,
1: the only thing is, this is a bit like the millions of dollars spent on a pen that'll work on the moon and then the Russians said, uh, Well, take a pencil <laughs> You know, we've, we've got we've got we've got technology that stops stops air getting on your face when you're driving. It's all a windscreen. tree. <laughs> how, how do you how do you wash your car without
0: a windscreen? Well, here's the other issue, right? So yeah, it keeps wow. the air off your face, but what about the bugs that, that don't? get yeah, the don't rain. In the rain, and hold on, we just had to talk about vermin and, and cats. There's nothing worse. I have my car covered down because it's got no windows. Oh well, yeah, in
1: you're gonna be screwed if you've got no windscreen. You're screwed. <laughs> I mean, you drive with no windows and you're already getting.
0: No, no, hold uh, on, what about the guy in front of you who does wash their windscreen, and how many times have you been driving in the, uh, three, you exactly, know, the yeah you know, it's like a fire hose going off. You- yeah, exactly. All right. We're not going to talk about that McLaren because you know what? It's a dumb idea. <laughs> Hold that one to bed. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, Glenn, you know what? We're going to wrap up right, yet Dave. another podcast yeah. as always been awesome. And and you actually fired it out. If people want to get in touch with us, they've got something on their mind. They want some tips. They want some help. They want some video. Podholics with a K at gmail.com. Uh, Glenn, that car guy is your social connection. We're Podholics with a K across the socials. <laughs> If you're listening to us through whatever means, like us, give us a comment, and by all means, share the link with others. You've been listening to The PowerWorks with Glenn Power from PowerWorks Automotive and myself, James Pikeway. This is Potaholics.